Welcome to Solo Solutions, short bite-sized episodes of the podcast which will help you create strategies to improve your physique, your mindset, your performance, your health and your business. We all know that action leads to momentum and momentum leads to big goals. These episodes are designed to give you one key tip or one key strategy to help you push through your sticking blocks and get into the best condition, mindset or business possible. Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo Solutions. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the real impacts of stress on your physique. This is a topic I've I've almost become known for in recent years, with most podcasts that I go on um, asking me to discuss this and asking how this affects people's health, people's longevity. So I want in this episode to go into that a little bit and make you understand that Taking time for yourself um, is so important and understanding that it can't always be go, 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 hustle, beast mode um, if you want to get long standing results. Whether that's with your business, whether that's with your physique, whether that's with muscle growth, whether it's with your strength training, um, there's always this little bit of, of yin and yang um, that sort of comes with it. Um, and you people don't prioritize this enough. It's some of the things we put off till later. We can we can out-hustle our sleep. We can out-hustle our stress management. We have to be thinking of other people and going and going and going. And realistically, like with anything, if you want to get in shape, you need patience. You need to be able to do this for the long haul. If you, if you want to be good at your job, you need experience. And experience doesn't come when you get burnout. So looking back, I'm not normally a fan of the uh, caveman analogy, but when we look at our ancestors and we look at them and the stress they had to deal with, we've got things like hunger, we've got things like finding food, we've got things like getting eaten, and we've got things like, gosh, that meteor's looking pretty close. Now, obviously, I joke about the last one, but if you look at the things that these stresses have in common, is that... They're all relatively short term, depending on obviously the time of year, famine may last a little bit longer, that hunger stress might be there for a while, but there's a period of time where we, we have a stress, we deal with that stress, we recover from that stress, um, and that's sort of how we're adapted, that's sort of how we're hardwired. And in the same way we're looking at building muscle, that's sort of what we're doing in the gym, we're creating a stress that we then recover from um, as we go. So how that compares to today's modern world, you know, we, especially this year with, with the coronavirus pandemic, our stresses blend into another and our body doesn't know the difference between what is a work stress and what is I'm fleeing for my life. So we've got work stress, training stress, digestive stress, hunger, fear, you know, traffic pollution, lack of sleep, world, world politics, work politics, you know, country politics, the news, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, financial stresses. And they all sort of go into one. We have a bad night's sleep because we stayed up late. So we're late for work and we're rushing. We get told off for our boss, we're late for work, we're behind our to-do list. And these just things go into one. So we need to have a better approach to understanding how we combat this stress and how we stop looking at our diaries, our um, downtime, our relationships, so we can kind of like take some of this time back and like balance out 
our stresses so we can truly recover from them. So when we're looking at what stress is, everyone's going to have a different you know, definition of what stress is, but the one that I, I tend to subscribe to is by a Dr. Robert Sapolsky, who wrote a phenomenal book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And if you do want to learn more about this and learn more about stress physiology, I would definitely recommend getting that book, also looking at his um, YouTube playlist, which is 100% free. It's incredibly long, but it's so full of information, you will not regret it. And if there's any of you that are a personal trainer on this call, I would definitely recommend at very least reading his book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. But he defines stress as stress is anything that throws the body out of homeostasis. So for the people that are not science-minded, homeostasis is basically the body, the sciencey word of saying balance. It's what the body is used to, it's what the body is trying to protect. So what happens when we're stressed? What happens when we take the body out of homeostasis? Now, we release certain hormones, in particular adrenaline and noradrenaline, or um, epinephrine and epinephrine if you're the other side of the country, the other side of the world, as well as cortisol. And the job of those, amongst many things, but the job of those hormones um, is to mobilize fuel to either run from the stressor or go and kick it in the dick. So when we're looking at understanding stress and the effect stress has, it's good to have a look at like, hey, if someone came in with a machete and started chasing me down right now where I stand, what would happen to my body? So when we're looking at things like pupils dilating, we're looking at increasing heart rate, we're looking at increasing blood pressure, um, we're looking at blood moving away from our internal organs, our digestive system, our reproductive system, and blood shuttling away from them to our extremities in order to fight or run away. We might find that because the nervous system is in this fight or flight response, we might find we'll get t very, very tense. A lot of people experience very tight muscles, you know, a lot of the time even myself. Um, understanding that if I can relax the nervous system, Without stretching, I might alleviate some of this tension, alleviate some of this tightness. And so understand that this stress is necessary. Stress is our body's survival mechanism in a way to deal with the stressor because you know we're not very good for anything. Like we're not very good for reproduction if we're dead. So we can put that on hold for now because we need to stop stop you being dead first, and then we can get back to doing all that stuff. So we need it. Stress is our adaptive mechanism. Um, but understand the problem today, as we said before, is that one stress goes into the next, into the next, into the next. So we never ever recover from these short-term stresses. And this often, this happens a lot when people are dieting, that they, they're incredibly stressed going into the diet. They spend way too long dieting. You know, you've got competitors doing back-to-back -back shows and they're in this period of like, They've already stressed and they're just layering these stresses on. And we'll talk about this in a second. But this is where we start to see things like, you know, people losing thyroid function and start getting very, very cold. If you still see people when they take the temperature and they drop into 35s, that could be a sign that thyroid starting to downregulate. Guys, you know, guys and girls losing their libido. Guys losing morning wood. Girls losing their menstrual cycle. People's hair falling out digestive issues and digestive stress starts coming on when we're, when we're in this chronic state of stress. So the effects of chronic stress are much more severe and nearly every disease 
on the planet has some link to some form of chronic stress. We're not recovering as well as we used to, and these things spiral into another. Things like increased inflammation, poor gut health, you know, eventually like losses in lean body mass. You put someone in a caloric deficit, they would still lose weight, but you gotta think, understand that how much that weight is gonna be lean tissue, well if we're always mobilizing glucose by breaking down muscle tissue, because we're always in a state of stress and we're not, you know, actually getting potent synthesis and recovering from that, then we're gonna lose way more lean tissue in a diet, which is, is not gonna be good for us long term. You also, when you're looking at physique, if we've been chronically stressed for a long period of time and we start down-regulating hormones, that our energy expenditure part of this calorie equation over time is just gonna get lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. Now, while that means that, yes, you would still lose weight in a calorie deficit, your maintenance calories are far lower than they used to be. Anxiety, depression, it's a very obvious one if we're chronically stressing the central nervous system. Our adrenals, people with a, like ad adrenal fatigue, if you like the term, chronically affecting these things, chronically affecting things like food intolerances, a chronically stressed digestive system, we get intestinal permeability, we let things seep through the intestinal lining, and we end up now not having, having issues with gluten and weeds and dairy, and a lot of food intolerances, if you, de-stress and kind of get you get yourself back in a good place mentally, you often see a lot of these physical things start to go away. Diabetes and blood sugar control, understand that, you know, in a state of stress, our body will, is gonna try and mobilize glucose to fight that stress and find that fuel. So even though we may not be eating more food, we're now in this position where our blood sugars are a little bit all over the place. And this is why when people look at you know, type one diabetics, over stressful periods, they may have differences in their insulin levels or the insulin that they have to administer because of their blood sugars are more out of control. The same thing happens in everyone else's bodies, but we obviously deal with this ourselves by our own production of insulin. So you can start to now see and piece together that um, that chronic stress really does have a major impact on our health and major impact on our physique. And it's something that we do need to truly take seriously and that we can't sort of like outboss and outbeast. So before we go into understanding this on a less sciencey level, I want to help you understand what, how stress affects training. So when we create a training stimulus, we don't grow in the gym, we don't lose fat in the gym, but we create a response. We create a response that creates these stress hormones that allow us then to either break down tissue to in order it to need to be recovered or to mobilize fuel, maybe from fat cells, depending on the intensity of our workouts and our nutritional status. Now it creates what we call an alarm phase, where we get temporarily weaker. Now as long as we recover from that well, and that comes down to what our training volume is, how our sleep is, how our digestion is, how our stress management is, um, we'll go into what we call supercompensation. Now supercompensation is, you know, where like we recovered higher than the, the peak prior. This is improvement. And this is sort of where we hit it again. And this is, this is one of the many reasons why training that body part more than once a week could be of benefit. Now, that is the cycle we tend to want to go in. But often in times where we're, we're poor sleep, we're really, really high stress, we've got digestive issues, we've spent too long in a deficit, um, we haven't actually spent enough time fueling the body, our training and our nutrition do not match, and we just go into this state of exhaustion. Um, and this spirals down this point where we call, talk about overtraining. Um, whether you call it overtraining or under recovery, you know, you can either pull back training volume or you can feed the body to match 
that level. I once had a client that was doing crazy amounts of steps, like really crazy amounts of steps, like 30,000 plus. Um, and I over time got him down to about the 20 step mark, step mark, and he just didn't want to go any lower. And I was like, what do I do? Do I keep trying to push him to get lower in steps? Or do I bring his nutrition up to match this level of expansion that he's got himself used to doing? And in this instance, I realized that, you know, he's, you know, he's got a little bit to lose. We're going to be a little bit of a diet for a while. If I can bring his food up, then it's, that's an easier sell, an easier win, and it gives him more freedom on his diet than me taking all of his steps away. And then eventually, if I want to add them back in, it, it, he now he's now out of the habit. But we have the option. And whatever suits you or in your coach suits your clients, you know, that's sort of where we're looking to manage these things. Look at how well they're recovering. Look at what their blood pressure's like. Look at what the resting heart is like. If you've got something like an O-ring or a whoop band, look at what the HRV is, which is a heart rate variability. And are, is the client or are you recovering from what the stress and the demands that you're placing on yourself? So the next thing I want to talk about is the stress cup. Now, the stress cup um, it, if you people want the sciencey word, it's called allostatic load. Sounds sciencey, right? But the stress cup is the amount of stresses that we place on ourselves in the day. So understand that, like, if you now have your, your stress manager in a pretty good space and you've got like a third of the cup filled up, we have potentially more scope to go into a more aggressive deficit if you even need to, because you might not need to because your caloric expenditure and your nutrient, you know absorption is going to be in a better place but if we ever need to we can do it we can push training volume more we can get more out of your training and nutrition now understand that if your stress cup is close to the top we haven't got as much room we can't push it without that overspilling effect where things start to break down so what do we do when we get to that point where our water in our stress cup is getting to the brim we have two options option one is simply to empty some of that water. So that could look like maybe bringing down training volume, maybe improving nutrient density, maybe doing some stuff to repair the gut, maybe taking some, some stress management, maybe improving your sleep quality. You know, those things are emptying some of the water in the cup so we can have more room to fill up that cup. Option two is to get a bigger cup. And when I talk about getting a bigger cup, that is proving your resilience and your perception of that stress. And that's where tasks like meditation, journaling, things like that, getting a hobby, become really important. And that changes how we perceive stress. So what can we do about that? How do we start to, to, to change getting a bigger cup? The first thing is understanding that perception versus control. Understand that perception is everything when it comes to stress. What might cripple me, you may find completely easy. And what may, you know, I may find completely chilled, you may be crippled by. So understand that our perception is really everything. A task I get often get people to do with this is to take a piece of paper and write down everything, everything that stresses them out. And like from my dog died to my pen ran out of ink and everything in between. Sometimes just getting these things out of our head and onto paper will just will help, will take away a lot of the stress that it is because we tend to catastrophize things in our head. 
But if you get them on paper, it doesn't seem so bad. But now we've got that list, let's take that a step further. Let's take another piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, what we can control, what we can't control. This drill itself will also alleviate some of that stress because now we start to look at the things that we can't control and maybe don't worry about them because we know we can't control them. But sometimes, right, that's easier said than done. So what do we do? Now we've got this list of things we can and cannot control. We know what things we need to create strategies for to actually sort this out and things that we need to work on changing our perception, whether that is through getting bigger cup strategies like meditation or whether that is actually going and seeing a therapist and dealing with some of these issues head on. So when we're looking at changing your perception, understand that our brain has something what we call the process. Our process is the way we look at the world from everything that's happened to us up until this moment in time in our lives. We have a perception. On a previous episode of Solo Solutions, I talked about how this process, when I was younger and I had this, I was terrible at chatting at women, really, really bad at chatting at women. And because I was really bad at it, I, you know, I went up and I was nervous and I got rejected a lot reinforcing that I was not, I didn't think I was attractive, I thought it was boring. And my process now is if I go and speak up to that girl that I think is a 10 out of 10, I, I can't, I just, it's too much. And because of that, I didn't go up and speak to people. And because of that, I reinforced this negative feedback loop. So how do I change my process? Because your process is affected by your past experiences. Your past experiences are affected by your actions or current experiences affected by your actions. The only way to change them is also by your actions. So how do we act on things that we're scared to act on? By changing how we view the action itself. So in this example, I looked at that girl that I thought was a 10 out of 10 that would just turn me down. And I realised that she could only be a 5 out of 10 from looks alone. If she was the most gorgeous woman in the world, she wasn't a 10, she was a 5. Because the other 5 are how cool she was, how interesting she was. You know, did she have good banter? Did she have good chat? And just taking that down to what is a more manageable level made me go, cool, she's a 5. I'm now excited to go and find out the other 5. So I went with curiosity. I went with more you know, less fear, more enjoyment, and in turn, I got better results, and over time, that changed my process as I got more success, and I got more successful reinforcement than negative reinforcement. If we're looking at this with changing, you know, our physique, this could be every time I eat when I'm stressed. How do we change that? We can maybe then change a hobby, getting a hobby or doing something that proves stress management that starts to change that perception. That could be, I always snack on the way home from work. Maybe changing our route home from work could change that viewpoint that you don't, you feel powerless for. If I'm intimidated by going to the gym, maybe I just go to the gym and just speak to the members of staff, make friends with some other members. I don't even get on a piece of equipment. Over time, maybe I just go to the machines to stay out of the weight room. Then I slowly edge my way into the weight room. This, these things start piecing it together. The next thing I want to speak about is the HALT system. It's a Craig Ballantyne thing. And it's never make important decisions when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. How many of you eat when you're one of these things? The first thing is identifying that one of those things is that trigger. 
is that trigger that changes your process, that for the ne- creates that negative feedback loop. And then we can address those things directly. So if we're hungry, what's the cause of our hunger? Is it the fact that we're dehydrated? Is the fact that we've not maximized food volume? If we're angry or lonely, what could we do to solve that? Could we meditate to alleviate some anger? Could we address the issue directly? Could, if we're lonely, could we go out and contact a friend we haven't spoken to in a while? Could we connect with somebody? If we're tired, could we look at our sleep routine? The last couple of things I want to talk about first is the power of language. Understand the words you say to yourself on a day-to-day basis will reinforce the person that you are. Now, there's a number of things that I hear that I try to get out of clients' vocabulary. And the more they do this, the more they're kinder to themselves, the more they, you know, give themselves positive language when they talk about themselves the more they start to believe it. The more they start to believe it, the more the process changes. An example of this is I'll try. I'll try is so an uncommitted statement. It's I don't believe I can do this, so I'm just I'm gonna say something that's non-committal because if I don't properly give it a go, I don't feel so bad of a fail. But understand, change the perception. If you never give it a go, you will always fail. Change it to I will. Make it happen. I need to find time. It's almost giving up to the fact that you're not, you're not going to do it. I need to make time. If it's a priority, if you have a big enough why, if you want this, you will make the time. The rock is 24 hours in a day. The rock does a lot. Now, I often like the word sustainable. People coming into diet saying, I want this to be sustainable. Now, while we do want somebody to have a sustainable long-term solution to their diet, Coming in with that mindset, understand the first diet isn't there to be sustainable necessarily. The first diet is to find something that you can enjoy long enough, but you are in a caloric deficit. And we don't want you to be in a caloric deficit year round. This is to get you into a good, healthy body fat range. This is maybe to push for a certain event, get in the best shape of your life for a holiday. But the aim here is to pull you out of that at some point. So understand that you trying to do all the things that you had in your previous life that left you to the point where you were not happy If you're trying to do the same thing and expecting a different result, it's the definition of insanity. Change the language to, I will committed to do what it takes. I need to change the habits to be a better me. Because a 100 kilo person has 100 kilo habits, a 70 kilo person has 70 kilo habits. Do you find yourself often apologizing, often people pleasing? It it gives away control to someone else. It's language that makes you feel inadequate to other people. Now don't be wrong, if you, if you deliberately walk into someone, you should apologise. But if someone walks into you, you shouldn't apologise to them. Do you put your goals on hold to please everybody else around you? Remember the gas mask analogy in a plane, put the gas mask on yourself first before you can help other people. If you want to be able to help other people, be able to look after yourself first and you can help them more than you ever thought possible. The last thing I want to talk about here is the hierarchy of needs. I'm not gonna go too much into detail on this because this is a big topic in itself, but understand that a lot of times when people feel there's something missing in their life that's causing some stress that they're not aware of, this is good to look back on and find out which one of these is lacking in your life. And that may give you a little bit of a solution of where to get started. The need for certainty, the need for safety, stability, reassurance, comfort, 
need for uncertainty, need for variation and surprise. So need for certainty, need for uncertainty. The need for significance, need for love and connection, the need for growth, and the need for contribution. As I develop my business, I'm looking at when I look at what I can do to improve the service I give to my clients, I look at how can I tick all of these off in my client experience. Now, this may be the direct parallel to you if you're running a business listening to this, but if you're just wanting to be in better shape or be more comfortable in your skin, these are things to sort because abs won't necessarily make you happy. But ticking these off in the process of getting them will. So I hope this has been useful. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Sales Juices or you want to know more about stress physiology, then please follow me on Instagram at Kingsley Dutton. Drop me a message and I'll happily get back to you and answer any questions that you may have. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share on your socials and tag us on social media. It'll really help spread the, the podcast and I want to get it to as many people as possible because this is such a passion project of mine and I truly love it and I'm coming for you Joe Rogan you better watch your back it might be a while but I'm taking the top spot